Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is David Prosper, host of the Leadership Revolution. Thanks for listening to the following broadcast from Public House Media. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. I have, for the second time, Jennifer Schmidt here with me. I say second time because she so graciously chose to re-record with me after all of my content got lost last week. Hi, Jen. Hey, Kylie. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Good. We've had so much time together over the last, like, two weeks. This is our second time recording, and we had lunch together yesterday, and I'm living for all the gen time. So yes. thank you for not getting sick of me yet and for <laughs> being here for another recording session. Absolutely. Um, Jen, let's just talk real quick. I She's the coolest person ever, guys. So I want to point out that she's a dog foster parent which I'm obsessed with, and she just adopted a dog. So do you want to talk about your journey with COVID and having puppies in the house? Oh, yes. So since I got my apartment, I have wanted to adopt a dog. Um, But having a job full-time, I didn't really think that it was fair to adopt a dog. So at the start of COVID, when my um, job had transitioned to a completely remote Um, job, I thought it was the perfect time to take in a dog, but also I was under the impression that I would eventually be going back to the office. So I figured a temporary solution was to volunteer with a local animal shelter in Milwaukee. And so I started fostering dogs and uh, slowly but surely I realized I was more capable of raising a dog for myself than I originally thought. And then Unfortunately, I ended up losing my job as well. So I figured all of the problems and roadblocks that were in my way of adopting a dog before were no longer there. So I adopted my little fur baby, Murray, and he is the light of my life. I absolutely love him. And you all can follow him on Instagram. Yes, plug him. (laughs) At meant to be Murray, trying to make him Insta famous. So help me out. (laughs) He's the cutest dog ever. And I was actually going to say that too. I was like, okay, you need to follow him on Instagram. It's so entertaining. So cute. I'm not a follow animals on Instagram kind of girl. And Murray is one that I follow. So I love him so much. Um, Yeah. Jen, like I said, is the coolest person ever. And she and I, like I said, recorded last week. Um, And so this week we're re-recording and I feel like I just get vibes that this one's going to be better because we talked, we've talked about it last week and now we get to kind of dive more into it. And so I feel like I have better questions to ask you. But Jen was a dancer for the Milwaukee Bucks. So she was a professional NBA dancer. And she was doing that really, really young. You said you were 17, 18? No, you were 18. I was 18. I just graduated high school. 
And that's what we're going to talk about today is being a professional dancer and how that affects like her, her body image and then how that transitioned her into the Miss America organization because that's how her and I know each other. So Jen, why don't we just start at the very beginning? Let's talk about your dance background even prior Mm -hmm. to dancing with the Bucks. Sure. So I started dancing when I was three years old. Um, My older sister was involved in dance classes, so it's something that my parents just Um, had signed all of their children up (laughs) for. And so I danced for 15 years, um, formal dance studio training. I did ballet, tap, jazz, hip hop, point, all of the above. And after high school, I realized that it meant closing that chapter of my life if I didn't continue on at the collegiate level. So I actually had originally decided to audition for the UW-Milwaukee dance team because that was where I was going to college. And I made it to the final round of auditions. And unfortunately, I didn't make the team. And I still wasn't ready to close this chapter of my life. So one day I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw a ad for the Milwaukee Bucks dancers. Um, And so I looked a little into it and I realized that the auditions were coming up. So I, on a whim, decided to dance or decided to audition for their team and ended up making it, which was honestly one of the craziest things ever. Because I, I honestly did not expect it after not making the collegiate level to um, make it professionally. So it was truly one of the best and biggest accomplishments of my life. Um, what was to follow was incredibly disappointing, but I'm still happy that I, um, that I accomplished that. I'm really proud of that. Definitely. And that's something that you'll be able to say forever. Like there are so many people in their dancing careers never get that far despite their efforts. And you just were kind of like, this just proves how talented she is. She was like, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna try to be a professional dancer. And the whole team's like, yeah, okay, perfect. You're great. Come on. And she was so young. That's like, I know, I I feel like I'm going to say this all the time, but last time we were talking, you were mentioning that the girls were ages like 18 to what'd you say, 29, 28. Yeah, 2830. So it was, there was no age limit. Mm -hmm. The youngest you could be was 18. You did have to be a legal adult, but there was no age limit. So there were girls of all different backgrounds and um, at different stages of their life as well. Some were college students like myself, um, and some were, you know, five years into their professional careers, but dancing for the Milwaukee Bucks was something they did on the side. So it was a really interesting and unique experience just in that regard alone. Mm -hmm. And can you talk about just because I thought it was such a great story last time, like I need to hear your rooftop story, your, (laughs) your, your night, that night that you found out that you made the team. Yeah. So the audition process is about two weeks long. If you've ever watched the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders making the team. It's a very similar audition process. So the very first day starts with an open call audition where anyone in the public can come and audition for the team. Kylie, you could have showed up. Um, you know, Nobody any- wants that. <laughs> <laughs> it is. The first day of auditions is for anyone to come and um, pretty much just show their technique and show their basic dance skills. And from there, a large majority of the people who showed up are cut. Um, So that's just the first day, the open call auditions. And I ended up making it past that first day, which in in all honesty, I did expect to make it because I did have 15 years of formal dance Mm -hmm. training. Uh, What I didn't expect was to continue making it through the audition process. So the next day was callbacks and we learned a minute and a half routine 
we performed that routine in small groups. And then again, similar to the Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders, there was an interview process. Um, and that was one of the most embarrassing moments of my life because I am a dancer. I know nothing about sports. And they were asking me questions about basketball that I did not know the answer to. And after that interview process, I honestly thought that I was going to be cut because I completely blew it. All I knew was that Bango was the mascot. But they were asking me, like, you know, how how long are the games? Are, do they play quarters or do they play halves? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and so, so, but it's, it's again, they want, they, they view their dancers as um, representatives of their brand and of their team. And so they want you to be knowledgeable mm-hmm. at the moment. I was not. Um, <laughs> They're like, oh, she's, she's a good enough dancer. We can, she can learn. She can learn about basketball. She's fine. <laughs> yes. So, so after the, after the callback audition, I ended up making it um, along with, I think it was about 25 other girls. And from there, we went to boot camp. And um, boot camp is where we learned a lot of different routines. We learned uh, sideline routines, time timeout routines, kind of the stuff that you see, um, you know, what is usually cheerleaders doing on like the sidelines um, at sporting events. Uh, we learned all of that to um, get us prepared for the final live audition. And the, so the final live audition was held at the Peck Pavilion. If you're from Milwaukee, you probably know where that is. It's an outdoor theater right in the heart of downtown Milwaukee. Um, So it has like a beautiful stage, um, but then it's also outdoors. um, And there's also like a huge like setting for um, a panel of judges. So we, it was, it was almost like a pageant to be honest. It's, you know, it's a, it's a competition. It's, um, an audition, um, and, but you're being judged live by, um, by other, by other individuals. So, uh, what ended up happening was at the end of the night, they had called, you know, we were all, all the girls who auditioned were like staying backstage. And then one by one, the announcer called the girls who made the team out onto the stage. And, uh, they told us they were only going to call 15 girls and only 15 of the 25 of us would make the team. And they announced 14 girls, um, and at that point I was backstage with, you know, 10 other girls and I was looking around and, um, there were a couple of veterans, girls who had been on the team before. And I honestly had thought that I had not made it. And finally, after a couple of moments of suspense, they called number 25, Jennifer Hirschman. And I remember just like running out on stage and feeling like this was the biggest accomplishment. It was 15 years of hard work that came um, and were validated in this final moment on stage. And so that was right there, one of the coolest moments of the night, but the night just kept getting like more and more surreal. So after making the team, we were bussed off to, um, a restaurant after party where they had a lot of the Bucks representatives, uh, season ticket holders, our family and friends there. And we all celebrated, um, the new, uh, the new team and the girls were uh, us, the new dancers were there to mingle kind of again, like we do in pageantry. It honestly was um, something I was totally used to having mm-hmm. competed in pageants before. And from there, they took us off all of the dancers off on a private trolley. And we were, um, you know, taken to do some photo ops around downtown Milwaukee. And then eventually they ended the night at the rooftop of the, the Fister Hotel. So again, if you've been to Milwaukee, you know that it is a beautiful historic hotel. Um, 
and again, right in the heart of downtown Milwaukee. And they took us to the very top rooftop bar. And I remember standing up there thinking like, this cannot be happening. Again, I'm 18. It's the summer before I went to college and I had barely stayed up past midnight. Like I was a goody <laughs> two-twos in high school. And I, you know, I, I at this point, it's one o'clock in the morning. I'm on the rooftop with a bunch of other 20-something girls and we're at a bar. And I was like, it was, it was so strange, but it was also, again, one of those moments where like, wow, I made it. I, I accomplished this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was actually the first time that a discussion of our weight and of our body image um, came up. Our coach uh, was at the rooftop after party with us. And she told us that the Milwaukee Bucks, because they were under new ownership this year, that their new owners wanted the Milwaukee Bucks dancers to have a similar image and status as the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders do for um, the Dallas Cowboys. And that part of that was going to come with a lot of expectations and that we would be required to lose a lot of weight, um, be in top physical shape, and then also just um, really present ourselves as the face of the Milwaukee Bucks. And I remember hearing that, but I don't remember processing it. I remember Mm -hmm. I had just made the team and I was so excited. I was on a high and I remember saying, I'll do anything. I remember thinking like, I made this team. This is the biggest accomplishment of my life. And I, you want me to work out? Yeah. You want me to lose a little weight? I'll do anything. Like I was excited. Mm -hmm. And I also understood because if you're dancing for the entirety of a game, you need that top physical stamina and strength. And so I was ready to take myself to the next fitness level. But what, uh, what was to come, I didn't really expect. It, was, it became more focused on our body image and not necessarily on our physical fitness, which mm-hmm. is what I really had a problem with. Sure. So you made the team. You had this glamorous night. She's like 18 years old. She's, re- <laughs> she's ready. And she's also getting ready to go to college. So yeah. how many, was it like a couple of months in between you making the team and you going to college? Or was it like, bing, bang, boom, like you're there and you're submerged in all of it? Yeah. So it was one month. So I made okay. the team at the end of July and then I moved to college at the end of August. Uh, so during that one month, I remember being really anxious to get to college because mm-hmm. I was living in Kenosha at the time with my parents and all of our practices were in Milwaukee, not only Milwaukee, but North Milwaukee and Mequon. So I was driving like an hour and 15 hour, hour, 30 minutes, depending on traffic, just to get to practice mm-hmm. every single day. Um, so I remember being really excited to go to college, but for very different reasons than I think a lot of people my age are excited to go to college. Um, and I, I remember moving into my dorm room. I had my own dorm room. We at UW Milwaukee, they have suites. So you share a suite with a bunch of other girls, but you have your own room. Mm-hmm. And I just remember like being completely focused on the dance team during that time and kind of shutting everything else out. You know, I wasn't really focused on making friends or attending college parties like normal college freshmen are. I was really focused on the team, on my physical fitness, on my weight, uh, on my diet, and not even my academics, to be completely honest. So it was a really, really different first 
year of college experience that I think a lot of, a lot of girls have. Mm -hmm. So you're there, you're doing it, you're in college and you're on the dance team. How, since you're talking about this, this like balance or lack thereof, um, between like academics and social life and the dance team, how many hours a day were you dancing? And like, I guess not just dancing, like doing the workouts and doing all of that stuff. Was there even time for you to do anything else? There really wasn't. And, uh, not only was my time consumed by it, but was so was my mental, uh, every ounce of my, my mind was consumed with it. So even when I was attending classes, I couldn't focus on academics. My, my brain was just completely focused on the dance team. Um, but what that schedule kind of looked like and so after, so let me, I'll backtrack a little bit. So after making the team, we were what was in what was considered preseason training. So it was mm-hmm. when we learned a lot of, a lot of dance routines. I think we learned like 20 plus uh, dance routines to prepare us for the regular season. Um, and we also learned all of our sideline routines, all of our timeout routines. Um, and we had about four to five hour dance rehearsals um, three days a week, but every single day we had a workout that preceded those, those, um, dance, those, uh, dance practices. And we are also expected to do our own cardio earlier in the day. So what my typical day looked like is I would wake up, I would go to the gym and I would run six miles on the treadmill and it, which usually took me about an hour. I wasn't fast, but I was like, I got to get these six miles in. And then I would go back to my dorm, get ready, go to class for an hour or two. Uh, I only took 12 credits that first semester. So I really wasn't in class that long. Uh, but then I would come back, I would get ready for dance rehearsal. And then I would um, go, drive to Mequon and I would have our mandatory team workout. Uh, and then I would also following that have about a four to five hour dance rehearsal. So my pretty much entire day was consumed with it. And it was not only physically exhausting, but just mentally as well. For sure. And I feel like we're jumping all over the place because I know I like, I know what I want to ask you because I'm trying to emulate what we did last time. Um, so where does your calendar photo shoot fit into all of this. So it was preseason and then they were just getting you ready for the actual games, but then were they also prepping you for this calendar shoot too? Yes. So part of preseason training or at the start of preseason training, uh, we were told that again, with, we had this new expectation of being the face of the Milwaukee Bucks. And so we were, uh, grouped into categories by weight, um, not necessarily weight, but weight we had to lose. So I was in the heaviest group. I uh, was required to lose 12 pounds before our swimsuit calendar shoot, Mm -hmm. um, which was about a month away. So like I said, we made the team in July and and we were expected to lose this weight within a month um, in order to shoot for the swimsuit calendar. And we are actually told that our membership of the team was uh, dependent on whether or not we are able to lose this weight and whether or not we were able to shoot for the swimsuit calendar. Um, but again, I was committed. I was super excited and honestly naive as well. Mm-hmm. I didn't see a problem with what they were asking us to do. Um, and quite honestly, like 
it really, it really messed with my mind because I, I didn't see a problem with what, what they're asking us to do. I saw myself as the problem. Mm-hmm. I thought I saw myself as the individual who needed to lose 12 pounds. Um, and to be completely honest, like I'm not calling myself small by any means, but asking girls who are all dancers and athletes to lose 12 pounds is really difficult. Um, especially someone like myself who's super short. Mm-hmm. Uh, She really is just like a little bitty thing. Like I can't even imagine like, I I feel like that if someone of your stature were to be asked to lose, you know, 12 pounds that you would look sickly. Um, And And the weight looks different on everyone. So like, I'm sure everyone's a different like height and, you know, Mm -hmm. like X amount of pounds looks different on every single human, but that's just crazy to me. Right. And I think to put that number in perspective for everyone, uh, I currently weigh about, bet- anywhere, I don't weigh myself, but mm-hmm. I usually weigh between 130 and 135 pounds. That is the mm-hmm. weight that I have found my body is very comfortable being at when I eat regularly healthy and exercise regularly. That is the weight that I've maintained ever since my experience with the Bucks. But the weight that they wanted me to be at was 120 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I like to share that number uh, not because it matters because weight is just a number and it, like you said, it looks different on everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you look at me at my current size, I think you can imagine, like you said, how sick I looked when I was 120 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the drastic measures that I had to take in order to get there. Uh, because I, my body was at this comfortable weight and it was at a healthy weight. Um, and so, and I already was eating healthy and I already was exercising and dancing regularly. So I had to take everything to the next level in order to achieve that goal weight. Mm -hmm. So was this like six miles a day class, all of that stuff, was that in preparation for your swimsuit shoot? It was. So those were the, I guess you could say, physical fitness requirements. Mm-hmm. And um, on top of that, there was dietary restrictions. Um, I remember we weren't allowed to eat dairy. We were only allowed to eat whole foods, um, so foods that aren't processed. Uh, we also could not eat carbs after 12 p.m. And that one was the one that I really struggled with, which I think everyone would struggle with because if you look at what a carb is, (laughs) a carb is everything. Like Mm -hmm. carbs are in everything. They're in fruits, they're in vegetables, they're in grains. And I, I, you know, find it hard to imagine that I even consumed a thousand calories in a day, which I had to submit a weekly food log to my trainer, um, so that they could monitor what I was eating. And I was eating a thousand calories a day, which is not a lot. But then when you look at what I was eating, it's amazing that I even got to that number. Um, And then you put the physical fitness requirements on top of that. And I was, I, no wonder I was losing weight because I was, you know, you know, consuming negative calories each Mm -hmm. day. Uh, And then we also would do drastic things like sit in a sauna for an hour before our weekly weigh-ins and measurements because those were taken. Um, and we would try to sweat out all the water, water weight right before our weigh-ins. And I, that wasn't something that was required of us, but it just be kind of became a mindset 
of like, okay, we know what is expected of us and we know what we aren't allowed to do, which is eat ice cream, you know, <laughs> be lazy and all this kind of stuff. But we, we would always try to find like that next thing that could take us to the next level because uh, we weren't achieving our goal weight because and, and in hindsight, it was an unrealistic expectation. Mm-hmm. So did you make it to that next round? Did you qualify for the shoot? I did. So I, I ended up losing the weight. I ended up, um, you know, weighing 120 pounds and I ended up sh- uh, shooting for the swimsuit calendar. And uh, again, it was one I, at the time, one of the most uncomfortable things that I <laughs> that I had to do because again, I'm 18 and I, when I made the team, I thought I was just going to be a dancer on the team. I didn't expect to uh, also be a model for the team and do all these things. And so putting on a swimsuit and modeling in one for a calendar that was then going to be sold to fans was really uncomfortable for me. Um, a lot different than the swimsuit competition. I was just going to ask if you had already competed in swimsuit. No, I had not. So, so your first I, experience with anything like this, wow. Yeah, yeah. and it, and so it was it, it was it was very uncomfortable. Um, but at the same time, I I viewed it as an accomplishment because mm-hmm. I lost the weight. I was still on the team, and now I get to be in a swimsuit calendar. Um, so as awkward as it was, it still felt like, in my mind, an accomplishment. Um, but what ended up happening was after the swimsuit calendar, our coach sat us down, and she pretty much said, congratulations, you guys have um, maintained your membership on the team, blah, blah, blah. But then afterwards, she pulled me and one other girl aside, and she said, look, like we talked with the entertainment director, and it's just not enough what you've done. We need you to lose more weight. And I remember in that moment, just having a panic attack and being filled with so much anxiety because of the extraordinary measures that I had to take to achieve 120 pounds. And now I was expected to do more. I just did not know what else I could do. And that was the time where it became something that was so stressful and so toxic in my life. And I, um, I am so sad that, that that accomplishment of mine became this because I was so proud to be talented enough to make the team. Mm-hmm. And to have that accomplishment be um, you know, taken away with this horrible expectation was, was really disappointing. And so we were told that we had about a month to do better. And that was the part that I always struggled with because it was so ambiguous. It wasn't, it, it was just that they wanted more from us and they couldn't, they couldn't give us a number. The reason why I think I was able to lose those 12 pounds is because I was given a specific number that I had to lose. Mm-hmm. And as wrong as it was, it was, achievable because I knew what I was working towards where now I was working towards an ambiguous goal of do better, be better, look better. So did they even give you like a weight or a like, oh, we want you to tone up. We want you to like, they just said, look different, like look better. 
<laughs> basically they said it's not enough that we need more from you. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of my biggest frustrations was leading up to that point, I was not allowed to lift weights because what was important to them was the number on the scale, which to this day just confuses me because, mm-hmm. you know, when you, you, you maybe look leaner and more fit when you lift weights, mm-hmm. uh, but they didn't, they didn't care about that. They cared about the number on the scale. Uh, so I wasn't allowed to lift weights because when you lift weights, you build muscle and when you build muscle, you gain weight. Mm-hmm. And so I remember talking with my coach and I said, okay, you want me to look better? Well, in my mind, that means gaining weight and toning up and strengthening my muscles because I was running six miles a day. And I also was on top of that doing a cardio class with the team and a five hour dance rehearsal. I was doing cardio all day long and I had no muscle left because my, my body wasn't getting enough nutrients and my body was feeding off my muscles for energy. Mm -hmm. And so I, I asked her, I said, can I please lift weights? Because I think that's how I can achieve your do better goal. And I was told, no, I was told that I needed to continue to push myself and uh, do more cardio, eat healthier, do all these things because I, the, the number on the scale has to be smaller. My measurements have to be smaller, um, which was so frustrating and so confusing to me because the goal was to look better. And to me, that had nothing to do with the number on the scale. Mm-hmm. For sure. So what were the measures that you took to achieve that? Like what, they just give you this ambiguous goal. Like what did you do to achieve it? If, well, if you did. Yeah, I continue, I continue to follow the original guidelines. Like I said, uh, no dairy, uh, whole, only whole foods, no carbs afternoon. Um, I pretty much ate spinach all day. <laughs> I honestly can't, I, I still think about it and I can't remember what I would eat because I honestly, and I think the reason that I can't remember is because I probably just didn't eat anything. Um, and I, I remember I would, I still ran my six miles every single day, but I started doing it at more of an incline, so it was more difficult. Um, instead of sitting in the sauna once a day, I sat in it every day. I, I just took everything that I was originally doing and I took it to the next level because mm-hmm. I couldn't think of anything else that I could possibly do. Um, but what was what was really scary was when I started to see the uh, physiological effects of the measures that I was taking. My hair started falling out. Um, I wasn't getting my period anymore. It was just things that I really started to make me realize and force me to realize that what I was doing was not healthy for me. Mm -hmm. How did all of this affect your academics too? Because if you're not even nourishing your mind, like you're not giving yourself enough energy to do anything, like did, did you continue to go to classes or what? I mean, what was your academic life like? It it's embarrassing to admit it now, but I was failing all of my classes during this time. Mm-hmm. I, I still went to class, but I was a zombie. I couldn't, I couldn't think. I couldn't retain anything. My mind was just deprived of nutrients. And, I, and so I just remember like, being so exhausted that I, could not, I, couldn't, I couldn't function, essentially. Mm-hmm. 
And like I said, I was failing classes. I was missing assignments. And I really, really was disappointed in myself and just for that as well, because I am a first-generation college graduate. And I was paying for these classes myself. My parents mm-hmm. um, were not paying for my college education. I was. And so I also remember being so disappointed in myself at this time because I, I wasn't skinny enough. I wasn't smart enough. And all of these things that I was originally so proud to be a Milwaukee Bucks dancer, first generation college student, I was failing at. And um, what I didn't realize at the time was it wasn't my fault as much as I put the blame on myself. It was this, this external uh, thing, the Milwaukee Bucks organization putting these expectations on me that uh, were setting me up for failure. So you're doing all these things and you are trying to get to the next level in your quote unquote physical fitness and to continue on with the Bucks. So what did that journey look like for you the rest of the time? So it got to a point where, like I said, I started to notice the physiological effects of the bad habits that I was making in order to achieve this ambiguous goal. And eventually I realized that I needed to make my health a priority and not just my physical health, but also my mental health. And I sat down and I had a conversation with my coach and I told her it was no longer healthy for me to be on this team. And I remember that conversation was really um, eye-opening because for this entire time, I thought she was the one who had these expectations of us. Uh, But she herself was a former NBA dancer as well. And she had experienced the same thing that we were going through this entire time. And she told me that she had so much respect for me for leaving the team because it's something that she wished she would have done while she was dancing for the NBA. And so while it was such a hard decision to do because I felt so much pride being a part of the Milwaukee Bucks organization, it was also what was in my best interest. And I ended up finishing the semester with a 2.4 GPA. So it wasn't a great GPA, but I didn't fail any of my classes. I got C's and I think the lowest grade I got was the D. And that itself to me was an accomplishment because Mm -hmm. I ended up being able to finish the semester and make up for some of the missed assignments and bad grades I had gotten earlier. And then from there, I transferred schools a couple times. I ended up graduating from UW-Madison. I started competing in the Miss America organization. I've won a a couple local titles since then. Um, I have, uh, or I was working for my dream, my, I was working my dream job and so many great things have come because of that decision to leave the team. And Mm -hmm. so as difficult and as hard as it was, it really brought so many more positive things into my life after. Mm -hmm. And that was a very beautiful segue because my next question was just about like how you leaving and like, did you keep that mindset? I mean, like they were essentially teaching you eating disorder 101. So when you Mm -hmm. decided to transfer schools and start this new chapter of your life and enter Miss America specifically, what I'm thinking of, like, did you have this negative body image and eating disorder tendencies or were you just kind of like, that's not me. I'm moving on to the next chapter of my life. Screw all that. Like, I'm going to do what I want and eat what I want. (laughs) After, after making that decision to leave the team, I was looking for 
some other form of validation. And that is the year that I started competing in the Miss America organization. I think that's what I looked for Mm -hmm. at first to gain from the Miss America organization. And it was when there was still the swimsuit competition. And so I can very easily see how my experience from the Bucks could, you know, continue and translate into the Miss America organization, but it didn't. Um, And I think that's partly because I, I didn't have an eating disorder. What I did was I I engaged in disordered eating habits Mm -hmm. that were taught to me by an organization. And so I think once that organization was out of my life, I was able to make better, truly healthier decisions for myself and, um, and be successful in the Miss America organization. I, I loved the swimsuit competition and it was not a, a stress factor for me because Mm -hmm. it was an opportunity for me to make my own health decisions, to work out the way that I wanted. I started lifting weights to eat what I wanted. I ate carbs and I finally could present this body on stage that I created, that I achieved, and I could share it with the judges and the audience and say, this is me, this is my body and I like it. And I don't care if you don't, because it's mine. And Mm -hmm. that was something that I could do within the Miss America organization that I could not do within the Milwaukee Bucks organization. And that is why I fell in love with Miss America was because it gave me that opportunity, uh, that self-confidence, that validation. And uh, I also am able to sit here and realize that you know, other girls can compete in the same phase of competition and have complete, a completely different experience and outlook of it. And I completely respect that. But I'm also thankful for the Miss America organization and for the swimsuit competition because it gave me that self-confidence back. And mm-hmm. I don't think I would have gotten it if I hadn't competed. Definitely. And that's something that resonates with me too, is like doing swimsuit. I think, especially with my social impact and being an advocate for eating disorder awareness, people were always like, you like doing swimsuit? Like, don't you think (laughs) that? I remember when I did my first local and I told people I was doing it, they were like, they have swimsuit and like, you're supposed to be this advocate for eating disorder awareness. And I was like, yeah. And now I get to show everyone like, this is my body and it might be a little chunky, but like, here it is. Like, and you're going to look at it and I like it. So I don't care if you do. And so like (laughs) that resonates with me too. It's just like this freedom of just being like, boom, it's me. The lights hit you. You come out and you're like, pow, pow, pow. Like, here's my pose. And like, I'm strong. And what you think, like, yes, we're standing there and quote unquote being judged, Mm -hmm. but we're doing that like, and showcasing that we are comfortable with ourselves. I think it's yes. like the mentality of a lot of girls that did have positive experiences. Absolutely. It truly was an empowering experience mm-hmm. and for me. And that's why it does break my heart that some girls become involved in the Miss America organization and they might have directors or coaches mm-hmm. or family members who put similar expectations on them like the Milwaukee Bucks organization did for me. That absolutely breaks my heart. I because I see and I've you know gained and benefited so much from the Miss America organization and the swimsuit competition alone, uh, it breaks my heart that not everyone has gotten that same experience. Mm-hmm. I feel that way too. When I remember when they got rid of swimsuit, I feel like you and I were discussing it. We were like, we were <laughs> interesting. <laughs> see, all right. <laughs> but then I remember this like wave of girls coming out of the woodworks, like nationally, yeah. just being like, 
thank God, because I didn't have a positive experience with right. it. And I feel like it's so, it's so big of you to be able to say, I, I had this happen. I came into this new organization, learn how to love myself, but I can totally see how something that positively affected me could negatively impact others. So I think that's big of you as well. And how like, obviously, okay, so she still dances. She dances as her, as her talent in the Miss America organization. Did you ever have any ill will or poor feelings towards dance specifically? Because that's where a lot of these things that happened to you came from. You know, I definitely distanced myself from dance for a little bit. Uh, but again, thanks to the Miss America organization, I continued dancing and I uh, had to have a talent. And so I fell back in love with dance through the Miss America organization. And so that is why I'm such a big advocate for this organization because it has benefited me in so many different ways. The swimsuit competition um, gave me my self-confidence. The talent face of competition made me fall back in love with my um with my, with dance and the, you know, my social impact initiative gave me my career. So there's so many, there's so many things that I've gained from this organization and it, uh, I'm, I'm glad that the Miss America organization did at the end of the day, eliminate the swimsuit competition because I, as much as I gained and benefited so much from it, I would hate for even just one girl to have a similar experience that I did with the Bucks and the Miss America organization. Mm -hmm. I think that by eliminating it, that does not allow for that opportunity or for that experience to happen. And so at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I am happy that it no longer exists because I don't want anyone to have to go through what I did. Definitely. And I guess we're wrapping up. I never want to stop talking to you about this kind of stuff, but I like to always kind of end with asking my guests if they have any little bits of food for thought for our listeners, or do you have anything, just kind of like a mic drop moment that you want to leave everyone with in regards to what we've talked about today? Um, a couple of things. I, I would like to note that since leaving the Milwaukee Bucks dance team, uh, they have completely changed, and I think they continued to grow and change with the body positivity movement. Um, I was on the team in 2014, um, so pretty much right before the body positivity, body positivity movement started to gain momentum, and uh, I continued to stay friends and communicate with quite a few of the girls on the team, and uh, they continued to be on the team the next couple years, and they told me that things were different, that things uh, changed, and that there's no longer that expectation um, of the dancers. So I would like to note, because I don't believe in cancel culture. I don't mm -hmm. think that the Milwaukee Bucks should be canceled because I had a bad experience with them or because they had these expectations of their dancers for one year. Uh, but I, I applaud them for growing and realizing that what they did was wrong and making decisions to change be, uh, because they realized that it was wrong. And so uh, I think that's really incredible. And I guess I also would like to say that for anyone who is struggling with um, an eating disorder or disordered eating or a person or an organization who is holding their body to certain expectations, that as hard and as difficult it is to make a decision to get out of that relationship, that organization, whatever it might be, do it because so many good things will come of it. Like I said, I started competing in Miss America. I you know, graduated from my dream university. I 
I found the my dream career and so many and I found Murray so many amazing things yes. so many things pres, uh, followed that moment and I don't think any of those things would have happened if I made the decision to continue with the Milwaukee Bucks organization so while I understand it is absolutely difficult make the decision for yourself to make your health a priority because so much good will come of it. Mm-hmm. And that is just why Jen is right on track to become Miss America 2022 oh because <laughs> I get, yeah, 2021, 2022, whatever year we go to Miss America. Who knows? Uh, yeah, who knows? But Jen will be there and Jen will win. And oh that's gosh. that. And that's the T. And that's why, because she can make the best out of any situation. And I mean, I'm so thankful that not, I mean, not that this negative thing happened to you, but that you had the courage to leave it and join another organization because I wouldn't know you without that. And so, yeah, I love you. And this was so fun. Hey, Washington, D.C., spring is almost here, and now is the perfect time to get a healthy, pest-free lawn with your local experts at True Green, America's number one lawn care company. True Green's science-based approach will help give your lawn the year-round care it needs to be thick and weed-free. Go to TrueGreen.com radio to save 50% on your first service. Just call 877-461-0681 or go to TrueGreen.com radio today and get a lawn to be proud of.